birth of a child is a blend of anxiety and joy. It's the kind of thing that makes you want to laugh and cry. Childbirth also gives rise in mothers to the baby blues, a feeling of afterbirth malaise that often dissipates in a couple of weeks. A more ominous and long-lasting form of this condition is referred to as postpartum depression. Prompt treatment can help moms manage the symptoms and help them bond with a baby. But what if you're a low-income mother in Kansas without access or limited access to counseling and healthcare professionals? The consequences, hypertension, overdose, suicide, and even cardiovascular disease can be extreme. The Kansas legislature and Governor Laura Kelly have taken a step to alleviate the suffering. The governor signed legislation extending the state's Medicaid postpartum coverage from two months to 12. It's an option for states that was created under the Federal American Rescue Plan Act. Here to explain postpartum illness and the benefits of program changes to mothers, babies, and families are Salem Soderheim, a mother of two who experienced postpartum depression, Sapphire Garcia Lees of the Wichita Birth Justice Society, and Carrie Rinker of the American Heart Association. Salem, yes, thank you. Salem, you're a mother of two. Can you begin by explaining for us your experience with postpartum depression? I, I personally don't have this experience, so help us out. Well, um, as you mentioned, like baby blues is something they tell you about in the hospital, like it can happen for the first couple weeks. But if you have like lingering feelings beyond that, um, they, you know, tell you to tell your provider. Um, and then. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So you to tell your provider, but what did it feel like for you? What were you experiencing? Um, well, I couldn't sleep even though I was exhausted and I was more just like trying to survive than actually like enjoying my new baby. Mm -hmm. And so, so under the current law, you could have some postpartum counseling assistance if you're on, on Medicaid for two months, the law is going to change it to 12, but what, what is the shortcoming of a two month period? I would imagine if you are diagnosed with postpartum depression a month after giving birth, you would then only have a, the clock has already started, right? So for you, would, would that have impacted you as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of like was in denial about it and I talked with my partner um, and then of course I had that six week checkup. So I was just kind of waiting it out at about the four week mark, like, you know, maybe my hormones will stabilize and I'll feel better soon. And then, you know, it was my six week checkup all of a sudden and nothing had gotten better. Um, so of course the first thing they do is go through that checklist with you. And I wasn't going to say anything at first, you know, and then of course I just, you know, started crying and just talked to my doctor and they were like, you know, we can get you set up like this week, you know, with a therapist. I would and think just would... that alone, I felt so much relief, like just leaving the doctor's office. Good. So Sapphire, you founded Wichita Birth Justice Society in 2020, I believe. And yes. so could you briefly tell us what the organization is and what you hope to accomplish when you started it? Yeah, Wichita Birth Justice Society was founded here in Wichita two years ago, and we were founded to address the runaway and alarming racial disparities that we have in this state regarding moms and babies dying around the time of childbirth. We specifically focus on reducing those disparities. And I started this with personal experience of my own. 
after having lost one of my children, my second, uh, to an unnecessary death because of medical negligence. And I think that it's important that we make changes in this state. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, goodness. Part of the problems that Kansas has, not unique to this state, but is a, an issue of infant mortality, especially with children of color, correct? Correct. I, I'm just guessing at the numbers. You think, you think child mortality is two times worse for uh, black babies as opposed to white babies in Kansas? It's, it's actually three times worse. And in the zip code where Wichita Birth Justice Society's office is located, 67214, in 2013, the black infant mortality rate here in this neighborhood was among the highest in the nation. It has not changed much since then. How high is, do you have to be to be close to the highest in the nation? Extremely high. It okay. was, it was up in the 18s. They, they look at that number statistically. It would make more sense if you look at the ratio of babies dying compared to their white neighbors. And it's consistently stated about three times for black infants. Mm -hmm. So what's the, help us with the underlying challenge here. Is it, you know, poverty? Is it healthcare discrimination, reluctance of women maybe to recognize postpartum in themselves and to reach out even? You know, I think it's a complex mix. It's a system problem. It's not necessarily just individuals. I think it is an issue of discrimination. I think that there is a lack of resources in these neighborhoods that are hit worst, but I think it spans beyond poverty. In, in our country as a whole, a black woman with a PhD is actually more likely to die of childbirth than a white woman who doesn't even have a GED. I think that that really speaks volumes. And some of those deaths are by suicide. They're a direct result of untreated postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Carrie Rinker, you're with the American Heart Association. Give us some background on the lobbying campaign for the extension of the CanCare benefits. Uh, to one year. I, I'm sure both of your organizations here, Heart Association and the Justice Society advocated for this, but I, I also have a sense that maybe it was a broader coalition. So help us explain yeah. the, what kind of came about here. Well, yeah, we were part of a coalition of over 25 organizations, I believe, that were in favor of this policy. And as you were sharing, you know, Medicaid is currently provided to low-income pregnant women. Um, the income guidelines for qualifying are more forgiving than for non-pregnant people. So a pregnant single woman with no other children and making less than $2,000 a month would qualify. The same woman could earn no more than $430 monthly to qualify 61 days after birth. And these federal guidelines currently allow states to continue that coverage up to 60 days postpartum. And that change at the federal level now allows us to extend it up to one year uh, and receive those federal Medicaid funds. Governor Kelly designated the $4.3 million in her budget draft presented to the legislature at the beginning of the session for their consideration. But uh, this policy win is definitely a bipartisan effort because it was recommended by the CanCare Oversight Committee, the Mental Health Modernization Committee, 
ways and means, appropriations, all the subcommittees, and ultimately it was included in both chambers budgets and signed into law by Governor Kelly. Um, so the funding is there. That's the appropriation win. Uh, and now the state Medicaid agency will need to update their IT systems to reflect this change mm. and submit then a state plan amendment to the federal government. My understanding is that this shouldn't take too long to accomplish. And it's a huge victory for Kansas families. Of course, um, I don't, I want to take advantage of this opportunity also say we would like to see coverage extended to more Kansas families via CanCare expansion, which would give 150,000 Kansans living in the gap coverage, but we definitely will take, take this extension as a win. It was supported uh, regardless of party, um, and we'll just keep working towards that ultimate goal of CanCare expansion. Carrie, I think if I read the information correctly, the this provision of federal law became active on April 1st. Mm -hmm. so you suggest there's a, there's a process for the state to apply. Do we have any idea when, just close to, what, would, it, would it be active in Kansas in July or would it be later this year? When could people uh, expect to receive this benefit extended? So I'm still trying to get a feel for that myself, but the day Governor Kelly signed it into law, Sarah Fertig, the state Medicaid director, was presenting to that CanCare Oversight Committee and shared, you know, this good news. And that's where she did share that there were some IT changes that need to need to occur. But she said she expected by the next time that she met and presented to that committee that uh, she would have good news to report. I think they meet monthly, if I'm remembering correctly. So uh, again, that's something I need to to determine myself. But I think it could be sooner than you would think, even before the summer, potentially. We determined, but we are talking about the state and federal government here. So yes. Sapphire, the, the benefit under the federal law would be available to participating states for a five-year period, I think. You think, so Kansas will proceed with implementation, but do you have a sense of the benefits of the change in terms of life and death or just the overall health of babies and moms will be sufficiently evidence to retain the assistance when that clock runs out? I think so. I think that we're going to see a huge amount of benefit from this and immediate change. I can tell you from the folks that I've worked with that that six week cutoff, that 60 day cutoff really leaves a lot to be desired. When you are not even diagnosed with postpartum depression until that six week appointment, how can we ever expect people to get treatment and to recover and to be able to take care of their families if they don't have access to that follow-up care? I think there are other cases. If a mom has preeclampsia during her pregnancy, she's going to need follow-up to check on her kidneys, on her heart, on her long-term health. There are a million different examples on how this will impact Kansas moms. But I agree with what Carrie said. I think that this is a huge win. I think that it makes sense. And I was happy to see that this had bipartisan support. If we truly value families in Kansas, I think that we need to back that up with that. Mm -hmm. Well, and you hey, know, the I'm sorry, CD go ahead, Carrie. I was just going to say the CDC defines a pregnancy related death up to a year after pregnancy. So, you know, it only stands to reason that we should extend this coverage to that full year as well. 
Now, anything that passes with a bunch of bipartisan support and there's a kumbaya moment in this legislative session between our Democratic governor and Republican legislator, it's absolutely got to be a good idea. So Salem, let's pivot back to you. I, I, I read a story that was published. You had Medicaid coverage for the birth of your first child some time ago, correct? Yes, and then I had it supplemental for my second child. Right, so you had, I believe, employer-based coverage for your second, which is more recent, but you also qualified for a Medicaid assistant, assistance to help you with the co-pays for counseling. Does yes. that sound? Okay. Yep, and All they right. also reimbursed me for my insurance premiums, which has been extremely helpful. Ah, okay. So can you walk us through, help us with that experience of the counseling and therapy? Give us a feel for it if if we were actually sitting there watching it. So give me, give us some sense of what that's like. Um, well, compared to the first pregnancy, um, you know, I just didn't get any care afterwards. And then this time, you know, I spoke to my doctor and they immediately were just like, I know this therapist that, you know, has experience with postpartum depression. And I think it was five days later, I had an appointment and she's been wonderful. And I've seen her weekly up until recently, which, you know, if you're paying a copay weekly or you just don't have insurance, like that gets very expensive, especially with all the costs of having a baby, missing work, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So did, was it just to have that knowledgeable uh, ear to somebody have to listen to you and talk through <clears throat> the challenges you were having that, that helped you? Or did maybe there were uh, coping mechanisms that, uh, that somebody helped you with? All of the above, um, okay. especially she's a mom, a recent mom. And so kind of she could give me some validation, some reassurance, um, just, you know, stuff you can't really get from your partner or your family, you know, that just feelings you feel guilty about that you don't want to talk to those close to you, you know, having that neutral party. Um, it just really helps so much. Okay. All right, Carrie, uh, uh, with the Heart Association, I, I may have these figures a little off, but but I read about 30% of Kansas births were covered by Medicaid in 2020. And I think the national figure is higher, maybe four out of 10, perhaps. I saw, yeah, 30 to 40% are the figures that I've seen. I wanted to also- I'm just sorry, go ahead. Sure. I wanted to follow up with what Salem, you know, was sharing about the experience of needing, you know, additional mental health care, you know, and mental health is related to heart health, everything in the body, you know, comes back to the heart. So that's, you know, why this policy sits, one of many reasons why this policy sits right at the center of our mission. But, you know, I also, you know, I have a, was going to share, I have a cousin who almost died during childbirth, came very, very close, needed transfusions. It was touch and go, you know, and it was her first birth, her first child. Um, and then, you know, she found out she could no longer have children after that, after this occurred. And she has shared, you know, with, you know, her, her private network and family and everything, that she continued to get mental health care throughout, you know, this first year. She celebrated her son's first birthday and then also shared, you know, in a social media post that it was mixed emotions that she faced, you know, even the first birthday of her child because she remembers his birth, but she also remembers that she almost lost her own very life, her very own life. So, you know, giving birth is not, uh, 
an entirely safe, you know, proposition that sometimes we we act as if it is, but it's not. It's incredibly dangerous to women. And I often just think about her and processing these emotions. What a mixed bag, you know what I mean? That must be mourning the fact that you can't have any more children yourself, that, you know, you almost died, uh, but also being ultimately so thankful and grateful for the child that you do have. So yeah, support is needed, you know, for women. And that's again, why, you know, this is such a big deal. Um, and so glad that Sapphire's here too, to speak about, you know, the disparities that exist, because that's at the heart of this policy, um, certainly. Sapphire, Carrie, Salem, anyone, what I was getting at here is, is there a feeling, do, do we know in terms of the, the births in Kansas within Medicaid and outside of Medicaid that involve mothers with postpartum depression? Do we have any kind of feel for how broad this problem is in society? You know, I don't have that figure, but I can tell you that it's extremely common mm -hmm. and that a lot of the time it goes undiagnosed because mothers tend to internalize when they don't feel well and they move on and they don't give attention to it because they have a family to take care of. And so I would say that anybody listening to this podcast today has known somebody, whether they've openly said it or not, who has experienced postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I also want to touch on is, uh, you know, there's emotional ups and downs after you've given birth and you come home. Uh, but where, where's the line? How do you, how do you, what do you look for that's, you know, we'll say the baby blues are temporary. Like, where's the gap between baby blues and something more serious? Or if you have the baby blues, should you go talk to a counselor and they'll help you sort out whether or not it's a more serious problem. Like help, can you help with the line in between? Yeah, we generally look at a handful of criteria. So we ask the mom, have you been anxious or worried for no reason? Have you felt scared or panicky for no good reason? Have you felt overwhelmed? Have you had difficulty sleeping? Have you had racing thoughts or thoughts that you're going to hurt yourself or your baby? Those are all indications that they could have postpartum depression. And we highly recommend if somebody is feeling that way or if the household member who lives with a new mom sees that there are changes in that mom, that it be reported to the care providers so that they can get into more help, so that they can get on medication if they need it, so that they can get into a counselor. Without that help, I think it is very difficult for mothers to function and just to take care of themselves and their babies becomes a gargantuan effort. So maybe uh, spouses or significant others and, and parents, you know, I guess grandparents, you could say, they need to be looking for some of these signs, panic attacks, severe anxiety, ideas of self-harm, you know, as you say, the crying and things like that. Perhaps there's, there's those visible markers of of something is, is amiss. Um, I was curious about fathers. Can fathers experience a postpartum depression as well? Yes, they actually can. I think that that isn't talked about much. The act, the, the life stage of having a baby changes an entire family's dynamics. And fathers are more likely to experience depression after the birth of their baby 
if the mother, their partner, has postpartum depression. Hmm. That's interesting. And then also add to that the effects on the baby's health, right? We know that uh, if mom has access to care, that uh, they're more likely uh, to take their child to well child visits and things of that nature. Um, also, you know, there's an improvement upon uh, children, you know, entering the foster care system. If mom has access to, you know, uh, mental health support, substance abuse support is a huge thing, right? Then, you know, there's less likely to be uh, families that are split apart. So this is truly a, a family-based policy for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I have a sense that this is a problem that's existed for centuries, if not forever. Um, but maybe we're getting a little closer to being sophisticated enough to address it. Okay, before we close, the last kind of question I have for each of you is, what's the next step? What's the next step for you? What's the next step of reform, community engagement? Um, Sapphire, you want to start? You know, what are you looking to next? What would you like to see? I would like to see comprehensive coverage for doulas and home birth midwives in this state. I would like to see the staff, the, I'm sorry, I, what I'm trying to say is I would like to see the infrastructure in Kansas match the need. I would like to see more mental health care providers who are trained on treating parents who have postpartum depression. I'd like to see more resources for parents. And we're going to keep fighting for that because our families matter. Our families deserve to start out their lives together, happy, healthy, and not just alive, but thriving. There had to be a very long-term consequences to people and public finance and all the other issues. You mentioned foster care uh, to get this right early. Salem, what would you like to see as, as somebody who's lived this experience? Um, I'd like to see it be become less stigmatized, you know, and I'd, I'd personally like to just keep talking about it because, you know, there's somebody that's shy, you know, or feels ashamed. Um, and I want more moms to get the care that they need. Mm -hmm. That's good. Good. And Carrie, yourself? I mentioned earlier, you know, this is part of the journey, but Medicaid expansion would certainly be, you know, the big ticket item that, that we'd like to see. Uh, pass in the state of Kansas, but uh, um, yeah, yeah, I, I would leave it and maybe some more uh, tobacco support as well. We, we horribly underfund um, tobacco prevention in the state of Kansas. We're only at 3% of CDC recommended levels. And that's another good thing about this policy is it will give women, you know, a full year of accessing tobacco cessation assistance. Uh, but overall, we tragically underfund uh, prevention. Um, and as Sapphire said, um, the infrastructure um, itself in the state. So um, definitely, but, you know, definitely going to bask in the glory of the mo moment, because as you, as you said, bipartisan support for policy is hard to come by these days. And this was definitely it. And uh, we'll have to see it through to implementation. Uh, as we said, the, the, we've got the funding, but now we just need to get the uh, state plan amendment submitted to the federal government, and uh, we'll continue to monitor that and support that however we can.